It's happy times and places, if happy is what you used to describe. Things that are scary and dark and dense. Have lots of death and people being killed horribly. It's Doctor Who, of course, uh, narrated over by me, Toby Haydock, who's got a guest to choose a Doctor Who story and their favourite things about it. I have to guess what they are. Hello, Toby Hayden. Uh, my name's Chris Chapman, and I what do I do? I make documentaries for the Doctor Who range for the Blu-ray collections at the moment and the DVDs before that. Uh, I'm recording for you some things about a Doctor Who story called The Seeds of Doom. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Happy Times and Places and the Seeds of Doom. I've had a little bit of a sabbatical uh, between episodes three and four, where I've been uh, segregated to a different wing of the house. Uh, My food has been left outside on trays, uh, and uh, my body has been uh, uh, sort of shielded from everybody else's lest I cause infection. Um, Because (laughs) I... uh, Well, they come in pairs, don't they? The lines that um, indicate whether you have COVID or not. And I contracted, having been so careful for two and a half years, um, I contracted COVID and so couldn't um, do any uh, recording or podcasting or any of that. But I'm back now. I tested negative today. So I've had, uh, as I say, a a bit of time off. Um, whilst uh, my my body underwent a transformation. What could possibly go wrong? So before I turn into the size of St Paul's Cathedral and sit atop the roof, um, let's um, watch the rest of this story that I am enjoying very much that has been set for me as a task by Chris Chapman, producer of a great number of fantastic Doctor Who DVD and Blu-ray special features. In fact, we were discussing one today uh, on WhatsApp where he was sent a list of um, contributors he's got together for a particular documentary. I'm not going to be on this one, but um, he's just saying, you know, was there anybody we've forgotten? And, you know, here's the list. And my goodness, what a fantastic uh, lineup of people. And I think uh, he's going to do a really good job and people will love what he's come up with so he continues to do uh, the time lord's work uh, for forthcoming uh, dvds and blu-rays i'll start calling the blu-rays and then they'll become and then there'll be mind injections that that's my that's my (laughs) prediction for the next form of home entertainment the doctor who uh, season whatever season eight mind injection set Uh, (laughs) anyway let us watch let us choose to resume uh, the seeds of doom from episode four Uh, let's see what happens when the crinoid touches human flesh Well, here we are. So this was uh, this was on my second Scotch tape. Oh, that they, they were they were the the black colour scheme that they had as well just made them seem very classy. But it always niggled that I had a Tom Baker sandwiched between two John Pertwee's. Uh, this this was where Frontier in Space should have been, but but Colin, who did me my bootlegs, uh, did, uh, 
just did what came to hand. Anyway, I like his leather gloves. Do you think Harrison Chase wears leather gloves as a, as as you know as as an additional piece of uh, sort of um, plant slash vegetable based uh, ide- ideological? Um, Um, sort of uh, an ideological display a a sartorial comment Uh, I I love this I I actually like I mean I think of the Doctor as being you know this peaceful kind of person but uh, Tom Baker is so good at this sort of down and dirty he doesn't make a meal of it jumps jumps through the lantern window smashes Boise from Only Fools and Horses over the head with a, with a stool and picks up a gun. Um, that's a brilliant effect of uh, of the of the crinoid pod opening and grabbing Keeler. It's very very well done. I like the way that uh, Chase slides across the floor slightly. Harry Fielder, uh, a legend. Uh, there he is. Bless him. Gets a credit on this episode. He is in other episodes, but he speaks on this one. I've got a feeling. I, I I think David Masterman was supposed to be in the interior sections and then and then wasn't guard leader guy. He's only he's only on the location stuff, um, and and so maybe because Harry was around, they gave him they gave him some lines. Uh, that's that's in the in the back of my head somewhere. There's excellent makeup there, and I love the way he takes the jacket off. You can. You know, you you can feel the sort of the, the pain on, on and as somebody who's had um, terribly painful skin when my psoriasis has been at its worst, you do and and, and, I, and I and I have taken clothes off like that the way that you sort of peel it off slightly so as not to do any sort of rubbing. It's a very a very well observed piece of jacket removal. Um, it's a it's a really good piece of makeup and 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 uh, I, I I love um, Harrison Chase's response you know going oh this is unique and and he sort of starts looking after him sort of quite gently like he's a specimen my friend John Deere who does an excellent podcast uh, on uh, Quatermass and Nigel Neal and other things um, sent a message saying what what oh I love the way he goes Mister Keeler uh, <laughs> I, I love a butler. <laughs> It's that mixture of kind of alarm and slight affrontery. Uh, <laughs> um, and that's the beauty of Doc 2, is you can sort of throw a butler into this situation and he's going to respond like a butler. Gorgeous. Um, John said that the reason I, I failed to identify, I failed to articulate, um, just as I failed to articulate earlier on about um, the leather gloves um, being a, you know, a sartorial display of kinship with the the veg with the, with the plant kingdom by by having slain animals on his mitts uh uh nobody move <laughs> uh baker so tom baker is at the height of his powers in this uh john suggested that that the the the, the reason harrison shakes works is because he's uh you know he's he's a very adult it's an adult performance and he and he comes with him from a series of sort of tough quite tough guy adult gritty thriller movies and he's got all of that sort of stuff uh, to back him up and yes and yet he is camp he is camp but i think john's right it's a kind of it, it's a campery that's from a sort of slightly hardened gangster kind of background and genre um not the sort of campery you might see 
elsewhere in Doctor Who. I love this exchange. I was sad to, sad to read in the discontinuity guide, I think, that, that that's not a quote and that's a load of old nonsense. But that exchange, it doesn't matter. I'm sold on it, you know. Uh, uh, the money of the same religion. I'll come back with a, a rejoinder. That the, the banter is bantery, but it never undermines the seriousness of the situation. John Chalice doesn't rise to the doctor's bait, and it's a it's a very good choice that John Chalice makes as an actor because I know John Chalice considered himself a bit of a sort of light comedian type, um, and indeed his subsequent performance in you know Only Fools and Horses. But he was a I, I, I think he, he considered himself a bit of a turn, but his looks led to him playing these sorts of characters. But we've seen in the history of Doctor Who actors trying to rise to the challenge of Tom Baker where Tom Baker gets obtuse and silly and they think oh I can match him with this I think Chalice makes exactly the right decision to actually go no 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 I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let him have his head and I'm gonna let him do this stuff and 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 and, and not play him at that game and in, and in fact you know maintain the real steel and that that stuff of chucking him against the bins and grabbing him by the head i, I mean it's terrible i love i love doctor as a sort of fantastical uh charming often daft show but i do love it when it gets a bit down and dirty and grown up i mean as as i say as grown up look at that he's pulling his hair and the darkness the shadow that uh, camfield's got in the lighting here the absolute sort of sweaty intensity that tom baker's giving it the fact that John Chalice doesn't pull his punches and he's got a sort of machine, submachine gunny thing. This is the sort of thing that plays to my, the teenage boy still within me who wanted Doctor Who to be terribly serious and grown up. Um, and I think I admire it because it's, it's, it's done so well. It's really skillfully done. Everybody's playing it very very well everyone's playing it very serious and i like doctor who when it's carnival of monsters i like doctor who when it's daft and and and, and plays upon the imagination and has the has the guts to sort of you know tempt us right to the brink of what is believable because you know it is at its core a very very silly show but i also like it when everybody goes no we're going to make something as tough and uncompromising as we can within the limitations of Saturday tea time drama. I admire, I admire that. I admire the, the sort of attempt to go. Well, we can, we, you know, we can make this as we can make this as hard-edged as possible, so that when you're a kid watching it, and you know, you get drive-by drive-by cutting replies from any adults in the room who want to shame you or make you feel. Um, ridiculous for liking your thing when 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 actually they didn't have, they didn't have much of a leg to stand on although of course to most casual viewers this and uh what Mordrin undead and and the twin dilemma um probably don't actually look that much different from each other um because because uh, because to the to the bigoted not we all doctor who looks the same uh um, Tony Beckley is superb. Um, he's beautifully intense there, but without without going without mad-eyed, you know, without rolling his eyes and and going crazy. There's a there's a a, a real a real sort of intensity to him, and and mixed with a sort of scientific curiosity, uh, and 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 you know a strange sort of detachment that he has, and and, and actually quite brutal in a way as well. 
Uh, and this is a nice note because you think, well, hang on, what, what's what's uh, Hargreaves, you know, is 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 a real person? Come on, so he he, d- he does his bit there where he goes, well, I'll, I'll just bring this up. But um, as we know about the British establishment, for all uh, we we dress it in its finery. If the money's right, we don't ask any questions. <laughs> uh, it doesn't ask any questions, and we'll we'll sell anything down the river. Um, uh, uh, yeah, John Chalice is excellent. I want. I wonder if I'm going to get a chance to choose John Chalice. I think I just take for granted that he's so good because having read the book, he was exactly how I imagined the character to look and be played, uh, and and he and he didn't disappoint. But because I, he perhaps didn't surprise me. Um, and then, of course, you take it for granted because he's Boise in Only Fools and Horses, so he's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a recognisable national institution face. But he's so good. If if you didn't know any of that, uh, you'd just go, "This guy is just amazing." Uh, now, this was a real surprise for me because um, in the book, Amelia Ducar has fulfilled her function to the story, and. Um, Philip Hinchcliffe, who when I read the book I hadn't realised had been the producer of Doctor Who, because um, it was a uh, very early book for me to read, and I loved the, the cover. With the <laughs> He does have a catchphrase, why am I surrounded by idiots? Again, in lesser hands, I might find that a bit annoying. I like this sort of slightly catty, well, I can do what I want. It might, and it might not. I like that. It's slightly sort of catty and defensive. Um, but, but utterly believable. Um... Did I, did I say that um, Tony Beckley was great friends with, with Sheila Hancock? And uh, I may have done it in a previous one. And, and Matthew Sweet and a, and a few fans led a, led a, uh, uh, a pilgrimage to his grave in Los Angeles when they were last at Gallifrey. I, yeah, it would have been nice to have been there. Uh, but what a lovely thing to do. Um, but I'm 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 sure Sheila Hancock in her book The Two of Us, with that's written about her and John Thor suggests that um, Tony Beckley's cancer um, was, you know, perhaps an, an early manifestation of what was, you know, that cancer that blighted the the gay acting community in 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 in. Uh, in, in the States before it was fully understood what it was. I don't want to put words into her mouth, but I'm sure that was her, her uh, inference in, in, that, in that book. Um, and he did die, die terribly young. Um, Mark Jones, excellent. It's such a shame he was, he was poorly when they were doing the, the DVD. I'd have loved to have got, got uh, you know, hear him talk about this performance here. I hope he knew just how good he was a friend of mine did write to him many many years ago and because my friend did i i never did um because i thought well my, my friend has i wish i had now and got a got a nice letter back um and and he's so good in this and of course sarah sarah wants to help and and of course he's he's been you know he's been vulnerable and he's been uh, you know but but here he's you know he's he's quite right in what he's saying he's you know he's getting desperate so that's good characterization in a way because a, a lesser writer would would make him continue to be the vulnerable sort of weaker character but you know he's desperate and that's really horrible the uh, the uh, the plate of meat which was the advert break uh, on the uh, super channel version I had of this 
uh, but it was well edited so I just got the I just got the break into the adverts then it then it came back again but it still annoyed me because it because it covers some of the drama hello well um, I had a little bit of a break there myself uh, as you heard my other half came in with a rattly wheelchair wheel um, but uh, yes as I sound sort of slightly used to this episode being interrupted at this point um, although as I say I, I, I think I was fortunate that none of these episodes had the advert break within them which would have been just awful all oh, the things that used to that used to be so but then you'd have the see then I'd have the dilemma of going well I could copy them over myself onto a different tape and edit out the adverts but then I'd lose a generation and uh, I wasn't sure my cables were uh, as, as good to copy things as as, as well as because uh, I actually had all this stuff in, in fairly reasonable quality um, uh, anyway this this is this are the trials and tribulations I wonder what this is like for younger uh, listeners I don't know if there are younger listeners but uh, that this sort of piecing together and getting your episodes from different sources. But I'm lucky that I, I always saw this in, in good quality. Um, I love Sylvia Coleridge. I love all that stuff about, you know, thousand pounds done and all of that sort of thing. And that's a lovely line that he has about the, war, the Wars of the Roses being charmingly named, but rather uh, bloodthirsty. It's, you know, as the book shows, none of this is... Uh, particularly essential but uh it's lovely color i can see why um you know those who say this is very avengers-esque might cite the uh the, the daft old lady with all of her woolen mittens uh uh you know the eccentric old lady and the villain obsessed the multi-millionaire obsessed with plants as as very sort of avengersy dynamic i can kind of buy that but uh it's as i say it's a sort of love child of uh the the avengers uh, and the sweeney uh, living in Doctor Who's house. Uh, <laughs> um, and of course, it's night time now. So we've got that beautiful glow from the fire, which is lighting. Uh, we've got the beautiful shadow from from the darkness, which is lighting. So, um, the, yeah, the lighting in this story is absolutely superb. Uh, I, I mean, that, that could be a thing. I, it, I'm so always drawn to the actors. I could pick any... Oh, and look, and, and Elizabeth Sladen is great. Um... I think I don't. I actually think I don't mention her enough. She was the screamer to my my elder siblings. Oh, we don't like Sarah. She screamed all the time. So I was shocked when I s sort of started seeing her in action and going, "No, she's brilliant. She's so good." Um, I, I, I love this the way that and 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 I remember in the book I'd imagined this. Um, gobbling up machine, the compost machine, which is sort of like a, a bathtub with some serious teeth. Uh, I imagined it much more like a conveyor belt. Um, you know, I, I imagine this giant long room uh, with sort of, you know, stuff that you threw on it. But then I wondered, well, how come, why couldn't people just roll off? Uh, I'd, I'd not imagined the sort of high side. So, so this was a bit of a, a you know, a slight slight change from what I'd what I'd imagined but it made perfect sense to me of course it had to have high sides I knew that my imagined um image was n was not going to be the correct one um but it's nicely done dear Arnold I love that um and and this is properly horrifying properly nurtured uh 
and 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 the doctor's reaction this that whispered sort of and and, and the kind of the, the, tom baker has a great line in sort of um resonant disgust you know the deep the deep sort of baritone uh yeah um a distaste at bad things um uh, oh, and a word for Jeffrey Bergen as well, whose music is so interesting and gives a different timbre to... It's, it's famously, I think, isn't it? Because Dudley Simpson, who did uh, loads of the music for Doctor Who and for Blake Seven, um, Douglas Camfield, I think, went to his house, uh, was invited to a party and went, you've got a really nice house. I think you earn too much money. <laughs> I, and, and, and so didn't hire Simpson for for Jewel, his episode of Blake Seven, or for, or for his Doctor Who's. Now, I've seen that sort of spun off into D- Douglas Camfield hated Dudley Simpson. I don't know if, if that was the case. Um, people people do like... It quite often happens when you when you, when you you sort of read or something where somebody's made a sort of comment in an interview and that gets spun off 20 years later into this person despised everything this person stood for. And you go, might not be quite as sort of hate-filled as that the, 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 the sort of the poles that people uh, uh, like um, sort of interpersonal and professional relationships I've been reading Doctor Who Twitter today and my gosh it's like it's like being back in the school playground sometimes anyway uh, uh, this is all about accentuating uh, the love uh, and I love Dudley Simpson's music but I love uh, Jeffrey Bergen's as well and I was very pleased to go and see the Scottish play at the Royal Shakespeare Company when uh, Bergen was doing the music for that he did quite a lot of music for, for the stage and film um, your death will be agonising perversively quick and he doesn't say what can I, what can I say <laughs> and I'm always drawn to this the, the stuff about uh, blood and bone uh, and, and the way that it's described you know um, in, in all this sort of organic way i have a compost heap and i always sort of feel and pumped into the garden nature's grand design i i i do always like it when i i feel i've um uh, recycled vegetable matter and leftover food and it's it's going to actually have some good from the fact that i'm not you know eating those cauliflower leaves which are actually perfectly edible and perfectly nice but we're like certain fish that we decide we're, we're not going to take from the sea even though they're perfectly edible there's, there's certain things that we eat and certain things that we don't and i don't think it's always to do with taste anyway uh, i love tom makers i still can't think of anything to say uh, it uh, but it never sends it never quite sends up the drama because there's an undercurrent of believability about the whole thing so you can get the funny lines uh, and they still work. Uh, and I remember watching this stuff with uh, Amelia Ducar and the and and, and going, ah, oh, okay, so she's she's tied with them, and that's how it brings Dunbar back into this. And I'm sure, in, I think in the book, Dunbar just sort of goes, well, I, I better go and sort this out. But um, but it just means we get a lovely lovely couple of scenes here and some in the next episode of the g- glorious Sylvia Coleridge. Uh, who's also in the uh, uh, the the, the um, Gambit episode of Blake Seven? Uh, she 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 gives good colour, and and and, and I, I love um, uh, Dunbar. Uh, 
uh, Kenneth Gilbert, I've made a terrible mistake, Sir Colin. He's, he, you know, he's he's doing the absolute, you know, underplayed dramatic stuff. Uh, and Keeler's turned into an axon. Uh, I remember being thrilled, I think, when I made the connection that, oh, uh, that's, you know, because I love the claw. Oh, yes, because I had this on the same tape as the claws of Axos. So I love the fact that I'd got the monster. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on, on sharing the same uh, VHS cassette, um, but it's it's great use of a of an old costume. I love the Axon costumes, and they work well orange, but it works perfectly well green. Uh, and that that um, wonderful uh, sound effect that they have, that sort of rattling, planty breathing. Plants breathe, yeah. Plants can breathe. That's what I imagine a plant breathes like, like a sort of um, inarticulate, asthmatic sea devil with that sort of rattle. It would have been such a waste. <laughs> he's great, and he, he sort of the way he touches his mouth, and he's quite spitty there, wasn't he? There's something quite, again, sort of quite sort of dirty and viscous about the doctor, and uh, and this is this is a lovely face off. I, it's it's nice when a when a sort of supporting character has their moment. Um, you know, he, he he's and 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 I think. Kenneth Gilbert deserves credit because he's he's never played Dunbar as sort of snivelling and grasping, although he is quite grasping. He plays him as somebody that thinks he's a decent man of principle, and I think that really works. And it really pays off well here, where he gets his heroic moment. I love this bit. You won't get past the guards. <laughs> and he draws the gun. I'm going to be the heroic guy. And then I get Dunbar. <laughs> I have that as a t if my friend Peter texts me a lovely chap uh, who I know online um, no and I've met has come to see my shows Paul um, knew that I liked that line so did it for me I wouldn't know how to do it as a as a ringtone so when my friend so well, I couldn't have it for all my ringtones because I didn't want to get tired of it so but when when I get a text from my friend Peter it says, Scorby, get Dunbar. And this is dark. Look at this. This is dark and wonderful. Uh, and, and I think the the publicity shots, didn't they have the Doctor and Sarah with the sword? And that's an image that's on the cover of the book. But that was one of the sort of photos doing the rounds as well. So this feels like the story sort of coming together with all its iconic iconography. The, this is the crinoid that one, you know, that again, one knows from the, from the book. Um, although... You know, we know it gets it gets bigger than this, but this is the shape. This is the silhouette. Um, I always used to worry about those that Venetian blind effect from the firing gun, and used to oh, why does that have to happen? But this is beautifully dark and nighttime, and the Doctor's got the sword, and Sarah's bravely picked up a stick, um, and this is a horrible death, which is all done from the sort of acting and what you don't see. Great close up, and and it's a shame because Dunbar's a good good character, so. You know the stakes stakes are up, and that's that's quite I, the way that the crinoid rises into shot to suggest that it's been eating him or something. Uh, and it's it looks all right for now. It's only and he gets the sword out. It's only that shot. It's only that shot where it wobbles towards the camera, and you can see the costume slightly kink. Uh, that it's only there. It's one of the few tiny moments that doesn't quite work, and that's a shame because I think actually. Up to that, that sequence has been has been absolutely spot on. So we've we've said goodbye to Keeler and to to Dunbar uh, in in this episode. I love that episode. I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 episode would be an episode I would I would choose if I was to have. I sometimes you know used to fantasize about doing a sort of uh, uh, 
studio lighting John Dixon. Well done, John Dixon. Um, uh, uh, doing a, you know, a, 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 a sort of what would I do if I did an, an episode per Doctor, if I would do a, you know, if I were to have special invited guests to a Doctor Who extravaganza. I think I'd choose episode four of the of the Seeds of Doom as the as the Tom as the Tom Baker example. I think it's such a good episode. I love that episode. I love the way it builds to a climax. Um, there's so much about it that works and is strong. Even the stuff you don't need is cherishable. All that dialogue that uh, that uh, um, uh, Emilia Ducar has is is glorious. And did I did I mention that I have common snakes head flotillaries in this garden? I have a garden. I've latterly got quite into gardening. I used to have to help my mum out in the garden and hated it. But actually, as I've got older. And I see the need for a bit of physical exercise and the sun's rays and spending some time outside and not being all locked in. Um, I've got an exterior green cathedral and I bought a load of common snakes head flotilleries that were on sale because it was the end of season at uh, B&Q and plonked them in and they did okay. So then I got a load of uh, I got a load of um, uh, bulbs and popped them all over the place. So actually early in because uh, they they don't flower in the summer they're there's for spring so so along with the daffodils i have a fair few uh common snake said flotillaries and i got them because they're mentioned in doc two but i do actually like them and shirley knows that uh they are there because they're mentioned in doctor who and she doesn't mind too much but they are beautiful beautiful flowers uh but yeah that it, that it is because they're from doctor who <laughs> i also have a spectrox nest and uh, uh, or any other plants and some co- cocoa plant um i'm just thinking of other plants mentioned in doctor who right i love that i love that episode i love so much about that episode but do you know what i i cannot there's no logic to this. It won't be Chris's thing. There are any number of performances that deserve attention. I think, and I think Kenneth Gilbert. Um, I mean, I, I keep going back to John Chalice as well. He's so good, and Tony Beckley. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. But Tony Beckley has a lot to work with. John Chalice has a lot to work with. Kenneth Gilbert, uh, you know, could be one in any uh, a, a number of any any number of sort of support and I remember in the book you know he's not a particularly memorable character and you kind of know where's going with him and you're not that bothered about him uh he makes an instant impression as as Dunbar early on uh and uh, and I think he keeps on delivering and I think it's a it's a wonderful performance he was mates with Brian Miller uh, Liz Sladen's husband actually and Brian told me that he'd, he was very poorly towards the end of his life he had uh, he had cancer and was in a lot of pain uh so I never I never had the pleasure um uh, but I think he gives a lovely performance. I think he's got lovely diction. Uh, it's a great performance. But I'm not going to choose a performance, even though I keep saying, I mean, Hubert Reese in, in, in the first couple of episodes, well, I love him too. Beautiful. Sylvia Coleridge. I mean, in any other story, you'd go, I've got to choose the dotty old woman. Um, I am choosing... Uh, you won't get past the guards. We'll see. Scorby, get Dunbar! Why? I don't know. I just love it. I mean, it makes no sense, the fact that the door is open to the drawing room and Chase just... He would have an intercom system or something in which to sort of 
call Scorby and say, Scorby, Dunbar's in the grounds. You need to stop him escaping or whatever. No, it just works so much better, although less logically, for him to yell at the door, Scorby, get Dunbar. And I absolutely love it. I nearly swore then. I love it to flip in pieces. Uh, and there are probably better bits in the episode. There are probably better bits in the whole story. Um, I don't care. I love it. I love that whole scene and the way that it builds up. And actually, I love what comes after it as well, because then you have the running about in the darkness and the grabbing of the sword. And as I say, that's when all one's sort of the, the images buried in one's subconscious from childhood about the story all sort of suddenly start to come together. And it feels like the whole thing suddenly taking on even more epic qualities, even though we've already been to, you know, the Antarctic and and uh, and 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 you know had 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 one thing open up and explosions and all that already. Oh, I love this! It's such a good Doctor Who story. But I am going for Scorby get done bar. What is Chris choosing for episode four? Episode four. Episode four. Episode four. So this for me, although there's some really good body horror in episode one in particular uh as uh the pod pods effects are start starting to show uh in episode four i think you get the most disturbing body horror and that's the thing that i will say is my favorite thing about it because obviously there's a cliffhanger at the end of episode three where it looks like sarah's going to be touched by the 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 the, uh, <laughs> the tentacly bit of the of the pod uh and instead it goes for keeler arnold keeler and the story's done very well of establishing Keeler as, uh, you know, he's fallen in with the wrong crowd. He's obviously presumably doing it for the money. So he's not a very nice person, but he's got a bit of a conscience and he sees Scorby doing horrible things. And he, he wouldn't, why would Scorby do this? And you feel like this is a man way out of his depth who would probably like to turn over a new leaf ha -ha, uh, when this story is over. And episode four is really a tragic arc for like the most tragic arc for Keeler because he gets stung by the pod uh, and infected by the crinoid at the uh, start of the episode. And then you see slowly over the course of the episode him become a crinoid. And the episode ends with he's turned into a big, big wobbly Christmas tree crinoid and, and uh, comes, comes to get the goodies. Uh, <clears throat> but it's a really lovely transition and, and has this kind of very black comedy edge to it because Chase uh, on Keeler getting stung, Chase is immediately like, ah, oh, Keeler, my best friend, I must, I must look after you. Don't need hospital. We'll look after you here. And Keeler's obviously very suspicious of why Mr. Chase is suddenly so protective of him. Uh, so I love the idea that they just put him into a room in, in, upstairs in a little, little English cottage and start feeding him red meat, <laughs> start feeding him raw meat, I think, uh, and looking after him. And there's a really, you know, heartbreaking scene when Sarah discovers him and, 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 and he, and it's a really lovely performance as well uh, as he kind of pleads with her and, it's just, it's horrible. You really get a sense of a man losing his humanity. And I think it's better done here than it is, say, in terms of Noah becoming a woman in the Ark in space. I mean, I think it's it's more sympathetic and it's more gradual. Uh, and the sense of people being nice to him and looking after him in order for him to become something horrible is lovely. I love that. Uh, so it's ho it's horrid. And I think the makeup's really good. I think I think it really, uh, the fact that those scenes with him in the cottage are mostly in shadow and and, and that it's played so straight. Uh, so I would say 
Keeler performance and and arc in episode four. Keeler's Keeler's turn is uh, is my choice. Oh, yeah, episode four. Yeah, well. That's good. I mean, I had Keela a couple of episodes ago. Oh, was that just a piece of gossip? Um, but uh, I think under different circumstances, and even though Chris cited the performance there, I don't think uh, I can claim that because, you know, Chris was specific to this episode because of the body horror element, which is quite uh, quite right, an excellent thing to choose. It is a, um, a, a an element that is does have echoes to arc in space for, for a number of reasons um because the headline news of this episode of course is that this is one of the two episodes that philip hinchcliffe cut on the grounds of taste so keeler's transformation i'm assuming it was probably in fact I think, yeah it was um it was it was partially to do with the strength of mark jones's performance that uh, the 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 transformation i think he screamed and i think he was in such agony that uh, that for hinchcliffe found it uh, too distressing so removed it and unfortunately we we don't have that footage because it was removed before before transmission it would have been lovely uh to see to see some more fantastic acting um you know and especially in his valedictory moments for for mark jones um uh, which had also happened with noah in uh, the ark in space but it was more that was less to do with performance and i think you know, Mark Jones's performances in a different league uh, from 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 Kenton Moore's as, as Noah in the Ark in Space. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, when we get to the Ark in Space. But um, uh, uh, there's the scene where Noah pleads with Vira to kill him, which you won't know and love because that's that's cut and it's a slightly awkward bit that um, where Noah's behind the door pointing a gun at them and then suddenly the the door's shut and the gun's on the floor and Vira says Noah and I were pair bonded which is still lovely but it's uh it's obviously compromised by the cut in the dialogue where where yeah the scene was that 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 Noah begged begged for his wife to be to kill him um uh, uh to to end his life before they got married as opposed to after hey lads um that was some uh that was some male bants from me there I hope you enjoyed it um so i think i think chris has chosen a a, a perfect thing and a, and a and a very good thing to talk about the body horror which uh this period of doctor who does so well possession which i know that um uh hinchcliffe was big on as well uh i mean this is less than less so than the possession that uh that occurs to chase later on but it's still it's still the human mind being sort of clouded and absorbed by you know um alien infection um it's good stuff in it it's a really really good doctor who story i love its muscularity um i love its darkness i love its dripping atmosphere i love there's not a bad performance in it i think all of the acting is superb john dixon's lighting as well is excellent that crackle of the fireplace those dark little corners the shadows across the face the still and poise of tony beckley with his leather gloves uh, I could have had, I could have worn leaves, but I like, but I'm not going to hurt the plants. <laughs> Whatever. Um, go- gorgeous. This is a Doctor Who story I could watch over and over again. And apart from that blooming wobbly bit at the end. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and because th- th- this has lots of links with Terror of the Zygon. So it's Robert Banks, Stewart, Douglas Camfield, double act with uh, scored by Jeffrey Bergen but also the two Zygon uh, actors Keith Ashley and Ronald Goff uh, are also the two guys inside the uh, 
the crinoid duvet um so so that the, the, you know there's there's another connection as well keith ashley in particular was a was a perennial extra you see him in quite a few he's the android that tries to strangle sarah in in, in the android invasion he's you see him in the uh, in doctor in the silurians he's got sort of black black quite quite high black hair um and uh, i remember i think i'm sure jeffrey palmer said that oh he's a lovely boy keith ashley but uh, never never saw interviewed and uh, is no longer with us one of those thesps with many a story to tell, particularly, I'm sure, from being under under the 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 the, the crinoid blanket, which oh, if only I'd have put a kink in it as as they as they uh, stumbled towards uh, the Doctor and Sarah. I'd have given that another take. Anyway, a minor kink, but a kink nonetheless, in an almost perfect instalment of Doctor Who. And I know there's loads of dramatic stuff to come in the next episode as well. So I'll very much look forward to that. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, uh, it's nice to be back in the land of the living uh, and to be broadcasting again. <coughs> Even though I have this slight lingering infection. So I'm just going to go and have a, a tray of raw meat. I'm going to go and properly nurture myself. It's a joy talking to you. I hope you're all doing okay. Uh, and uh, um, yes, I'm, I'm actually going to go out into the world tomorrow, having been having been all uh, 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 locked up. I've I've I'm I'm safe. I'm not contagious, and I've got to go to the doctors anyway. So the doctor said to to, to come out. So I'm going to get some uh, some fresh air. So I'll. Uh, uh, I'll try not to eat any ministers of state. Um, well, thank you very much for listening uh, and happy times and places to you and yours. Well, thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Hado, and my special guest, Chris Chapman who can be found on Twitter at ChrisChapman81. I would like to thank my patrons. In fact, I'd like to say, Scorby, Get, Chris Williams, Jace Mayo, Tim Arding, David, Nigel Bromley, Jenny at Bluebox99, Paul Cook, Richard Chalk, Peter Crocker, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford, Kelk, Paul Dunn, Jason Gorman, Siobhan Galichon, Chris Hyam, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Ian K. McLachlan, Gavin McLean, Rick Moran, Nathan Martin, Graham Knott, Adam Parker, Barry Platt, Risto Mitty Sarillo, Frank Shales and David Trainier, and everybody else, of course, thanks to you all. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Those patrons you heard mentioned, and there are others, if you would like to, to join the list, you can. But those patrons help to keep these podcasts ad-free. Uh, you don't want me to break off halfway through and go, oh, here's an interesting fact about that actor. Actually, are you fed up of shaving and doing your own cooking? Uh, well, I've got a shaver that I definitely use, and a car that I've just bought, and a food company, which is the only food company I definitely use. And here is me unconvincingly pretending that I'm saying something off the cuff about them where I'm actually having to say what the company has told me to say in order for 30 pieces of silver to line my coffers to make this podcasting financially viable. I'm not doing any of that. What I'm doing instead is 
begging from you because that's far more <laughs> honourable and uh, less embarrassing, isn't it? Um, I got a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Toby Hado. You get your name mentioned like that. Uh, and you get bonus material, early releases, special access, various other bits and bobs. Uh, and it's just nice there uh, for £3 a month. That's the lowest tier. There are higher tiers. If you're on a higher tier, you get your name mentioned a bit more often. And there are a couple of other things as well. But I don't really like to withhold stuff. So most stuff is available from the lowest tier, which is about 36 quid a year for three releases every week. And actually, it's cheaper than 36 quid a year if you sign up for a year because you get 10 percent off uh, whatever tier you're on. If you sign up for a year, you get 10 percent off. So that's at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. It would be great if you could uh, uh, sign up and support these. That's uh, That just really helps in these tough times. But I know these times are tough. A monthly commitment may seem like a lot. Well, there's ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock where you can just sort of like I'm busking in the underground. But again, standing there going, uh, the key facts about the Dalek operator actor Gerald Taylor were that uh, <laughs> it's tuppence um, as I strum it on my guitar. Uh, so it's yes, it's like a sort of passing passing tip you can throw my way, dependent on you know how flush you're feeling or how hungry I sound. Uh, so that's the Kofi model of uh, funding podcasts, which is the way these things are done these days. Uh, if you don't want to do the monthly thing, but it may be that you can't do either. And that is fine because you're listening to this. And if you're listening to this, I am grateful. It's better than howling at the moon. And and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to every single listener that I have. And if that is you, well, presumably, yeah, because people who aren't listening won't be hearing this. Uh, I'm very, very grateful to you. If you could spread the word. Um, word of mouth is good, but also word of cyberspace uh, is even better. Give these five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and a few lines of reviews. That helps to separate these from the crowd. And I'd be really grateful. Um, I'm also a comedian. I'm on uh, twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. I run a comedy club called Excess Malarkey that runs every Tuesday night in Manchester, but also runs monthly online at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. There's also an archive up there of past performances because during the pandemic, where we would have been live in the flesh on a Tuesday night, we went online and we got comics from all around the world. And there's all sorts of people there from Eddie Pepitone from the US to. Uh, Laura Fraser from Australia to some homegrown UK talents like James Acaster and Mark Watson and Zoe Lyons and Hal Cruttenden and Marcus Brigstock. Really good stuff. Twitch.tv forward slash excess post-credit fans there's not going to be an awful lot because it's as i record this three o'clock in the morning i've just recorded my uh, inserts for bbc radio 4 extra which i hadn't done because and here's my fantastic excuse i totally forgot uh, but it's also because i have uh, had probably a bucket full of blood taken from my arm and i thought i'd recovered pretty well from the bout of covid that uh, has afflicted me but actually i think I may have um, roused myself a little bit too soon because, well, I, yeah, I'm knackered because it's three o'clock in the morning, but also that's because I slept earlier because I was so knackered. So, sorry, um, after credits speak fans. 
This is what well, I actually sound all right, don't I? I feel rotten. Anyway, the show has gone on and the host has gone on and on and on and on. But that's kind of what I do. Uh, anyway, I hope you're well. If you are a non-patron by the time you hear this, I'll either be well or, or dead. But I'm assuming I'm going to be OK. Uh, and if you're a patron listening to this, I mean, it should be out by now. Three o'clock in the morning, I should have released at midnight. So I apologise for being late. But as in late, as in not on time, as opposed to late, as in dead. Because, again, I'm, I'm currently I'm currently <laughs> accentuating the positive and and not being dead to me seems seems quite a positive one so let's uh let's try and see if we can continue with that uh i hope you're very well and um yeah um i'll keep this churning these out but uh right yes shut up toby you've done it you said right good all right bye creaky chair can you hear the creaky chair i think you can oh perhaps i should Perhaps I should set a target to earn enough money to buy a new chair. That's a terrible thing. That's a 48-year-old thing, isn't it? What would you do if you had a bit of money? I'd buy a chair. What happened to a spaceship and poppers and disco passes? <laughs> that's that's what I would have done in my 20s. Now, a chair uh, and perhaps a cushion, uh, but a red bubble one with an International Electromatics logo on it, just to show what a cool guy I am. I've talked more than I said I was going to talk. Bye! Creaky chair. Stop creaking. <laughs>